0: Hey everyone, how are you all doing today? Hope everyone's having a great day. Today we're gonna cover Mandalorian weapons that were designed to combat the abilities of a Jedi. Now Mandalorian vambraces were developed alongside their armor in the Mandalorian Jedi war as the fearsome warriors answer to the force. The Vambraces were computer-controlled tools overflowed with weaponry specifically designed to combat a Jedi's abilities. They often came equipped with numerous armaments for the task. Flamethrowers, for instance, as the flames could not be blocked by the single beam of a lightsaber, and so the Force-wielder would either have to try to avoid the fire or retreat. Only someone proficiently strong enough could shield themselves with the Force. Then there were wrist rockets, like the MM9 mini-concussion rocket launcher, which I think is pretty much self explanatory why that would give the Jedi a hard time. Then the whipcord throwers these were pretty cool. These were cords that would be shot at Jedi and tangle them up, preventing them from moving, like the one Boba Fett shot around Luke's wrist in Return of the Jedi, or the one Jango shot around Obi-Wan in Attack of the Clones. Shield emitters were used as personal combat plasma shields that could be activated from the Vambrans as a defense procedure that would deflect blaster bolts. This was a favorite trick of the Jedi. They loved to deflect blaster bolts. They would use their lightsabers to deflect them and bounce them right back at the Mandalorian. So, with these shields, the warriors could deflect them right back again at the Jedi. Then, there was the retractable wrist blade. This was used for a surprise attack in potential close quarters combat, to stab through an opponent or as a handy defense tool, like when Jango Fett had to use them to prevent himself from sliding into Kamino's oceans during his fight with Obi-Wan Kenobi in Attack of the Clones. Now, speaking of Kamino, the Vambraces could also come equipped with Kamino Saber Darts, which were toxic darts developed by the Cloners that if they punctured through a Jedi or any other being's skin, would instantly poison them. Then there were grappling lines. These were devices that the Vambrances used to fire a glowing yellow energized line. These could not be cut by a lightsaber, and like the whipcord thrower, could be used to entangle an opponent but also kind of worked as the Mandalorian's version of force pull, like when Sabine Wren used a grappling line to retrieve the fallen Darksaber in order to continue her duel with the Jedi Knight. Kanan Jarrus. What's next? Well, paralyzing darts, similar to the Kamino Saber dart, but not lethal. In this case, the Mandalorian needed to take the Jedi alive, or just wanted to slow the force wielder down. Now, if the grappling lines were the Vambrace's answer to force pull, then its repulsors were the Mandalorian's version of force push. The Mandos had modified it so the Repulsors created shockwaves capable of repelling their enemies, mimicking the Jedi abilities. And as was demonstrated by the bounty hunter simply known as the Mandalorian, when he killed four remnant stormtroopers simultaneously during one of his missions, the Vambraces could also be equipped with Beskar-guided munitions, called Whistling Birds, that when deployed through the air would make whistling noises before striking and killing their target with a small explosion. So, where the Jedi had a natural gift, the Mandalorians had to use their brains to augment their own skills and try and simulate the Force through science as much as possible, kind of like a Star Wars Iron Man or Batman. A cunning Mandalorian warrior was a very serious and clear threat to your average Jedi, but even those Jedi who were exceptionally powerful would be foolish to underestimate these fierce and clever warriors and the peril posed by their equivalent to the Force the Mandalorian Vambraces. Hope you enjoyed this video and it gave you a little bit of insight on our friends, the Mandos. Have an awesome rest of your day, and I'll catch you in the next one. Until then, remember, the Force will be with you always. Hey guys, in today's video, I'm gonna give you a quick rundown of the Mandalorian timeline. Now, this video might not be needed for my more hardcore viewers, However, if you are one of them, thank you for watching. Please stay and let me know if I missed anything. Now that being said, this is intended to clear up a bit of confusion to some of you who are more casual Star Wars fans in regards to where The Mandalorian fits in the overall Star Wars timeline relative to the movies. The Mandalorian takes place on the fringes of the galaxy and is a slick space western with a very Lone Wolf and Cub inspired feel about it when it comes to the main character and Baby Yoda. We have also seen stormtroopers in dirty beat-up armor working for the client that sent our bounty hunter hero to find the cute little green youngling in the first place. But we also know from some of the conversations the Mando has had with the bounty hunter guild representative Grief Karga that the Empire is gone and all there is left of them are mercenaries and warlords. The New Republic has also been mentioned. So, where the heck are we? How can there be stormtroopers if the Empire is gone? And if the Empire is gone, where's the First Order? Wasn't Yoda almost a thousand years old when he died? So if he's a baby, does this take place in the past instead? Even before the original trilogy and the prequels? But if it's the past, How can there be a new Republic? Shouldn't it just be the Republic? Now I can see how a lot of you can be confused for the more laid-back Star Wars enthusiasts out there, so let me try and clear this up as much as I can. Okay, first of all, the show takes place approximately five years after the events of Return of the Jedi. So, after the second Death Star blew up, the Emperor was destroyed, seemingly, and Darth Vader was redeemed. So that means that the series is also set at about 30 years before Rey, Finn, Kylo, and the rest in The Force Awakens and the new sequel trilogy. After the end of the original trilogy, the Rebel Alliance used the incredible victory against the Empire they had achieved at the Battle of Endor to move quickly and re-establish the Galactic Senate that very same year, as they transitioned from the Alliance to restore the Republic, the New Republic. But rather than placing their new Galactic government on Coruscant as the former Republic and the Empire had done, the New Republic first assembled their government on the planet Chandrila, the home of Chancellor Mon Mothma. As they held the galactic core, the New Republic military forces were able to topple the Empire and push the remnant of the Imperials outwards towards the Outer Rim world, which is the part of space our Mandalorian bounty hunter spends most of his time at. Though a large number of the Imperial forces also receded into the Unknown Regions, it was there where they would reform later into the First Order. It's a very chaotic time. The rising New Republic is still trying to consolidate and cement its power in the galaxy, while still dealing with the Imperial Remnant and other new Separatist factions that have popped up to challenge their authority. Werner Herzog's character, who is the client that wants Baby Yoda, is part of, or at least working for the Imperial Remnant. This is why he is guarded by beaten up stormtroopers. Now, as for Baby Yoda, well, he's not the old Yoda from the previous trilogies. We still don't know who he truly is, only that he is 50 years old which, for a species that can live up to nearly a thousand, still makes him a baby. But the scientist who is also working with the Imperial Remnant, perhaps against his will, has an insignia on his uniform that matches those used by the Kamino Cloners in the Clone Wars. This could suggest that the Yoda Baby is a clone of the old Jedi Master, though it's possible that he could also be the reincarnation of the actual Yoda. Or, he's just another Yoda species, and we don't know anything about Yoda species, that's why everyone just refers to him as Baby Yoda. I mean, it's not like they're gonna call him Baby Yadel. But regardless, this particular member of the Yoda species was born around the same time as Anakin Skywalker, and not centuries in the past like the real Yoda. So basically, the Mandalorian will shed some light on the 30-year period between Episode 6, Return of the Jedi, and Episode 7, The Force Awakens. I hope this video was a bit informative to the newcomers here that enjoy Star Wars and are just getting into The Mandalorian. Have an awesome rest of your day, and I'll see you in the next video. Until then, remember, the Force will be with you, always.